Hey guys, my name is Yael Feiner and this is My Climate, where I talk to regular people who found their own small way to make a difference. This is the second time I'm talking with Desiree, and every time it gets better, deeper. In her 22 years on this earth, she overcame hard times, experienced loss, and found a way back to joy by connecting with nature. Desiree's story is about the root of the ecosystem collapse and the way each one of us can have more impact than we can imagine. We did a beautiful episode about food waste and it made me make carry from the rings of the watermelon <laughs> yeah use it. it almost use like it. deepens like makes the relationship with that fruit a little bit more intimate yeah and save a lot of waste because this food would go to the landfill and would sit underneath other trash and become another greenhouse gas Mm-hmm. <laughs> you use it and you're like wow that one watermelon rind was enough to feed two or three people it was like worth four potatoes or something yeah and that's so cool to just see the abundance in that conversion of waste and its transformation yeah that's so true thank you for that I want to start with asking you about your relationship with climate change when did you realize there is climate change or What was your first reaction to climate change? Uh, how did you understand, like, agree to see the reality? This is what's happening. Well, I feel like as a child, I grew up knowing something was deeply wrong. There was that, you know, impending thing of all of the adults in my life were like, you have to do something. You're the generation that's going to change everything. something because we've screwed it all up and now it's up to you it's too late for us we're in our business way or we're caught in whatever systems we're caught in and so you know you have to be this change and I didn't really see the drastic effect that like people in so many other places in the world will see you know I wasn't experiencing drought I was experiencing the privilege of fruits from all over the world always being in the grocery store and being in one of the most protected areas where there's no floods there's no hurricanes you know in Toronto 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 is a mock word that Toronto was likely taken from it means where the trees are standing in the water there's no any of that you're very very protected in the sense or, or there's a nice buffer from the immediate effects of climate change and so I wouldn't say it was presented to me in that physical sense as it has been for so many people and has caused so much devastation but it was more of a almost like a, a hypothetical impending doom sort of um, introduction where there was just all these articles about all these animals are going extinct or this is you know dying the ocean level temperatures are rising I remember one of the first articles I read that talked about why we didn't know the climate um, temperature was rising for so long is because the ocean was absorbing all of the excess heat and then mm-hmm. finally you know a bunch of scientists had been saying oh yeah we, we humans don't have the capability to raise the temperature in the world you know there's no way human impact could affect such a 
big atmosphere, such a big planet. And then we realized, oh, wait, actually we have been affecting it. And it's the ocean that's been absorbing all of our excess heat. And we're actually even further along than we might have thought because now the ocean can't absorb any more of the heat. And yeah, it was this sort of realization that if we don't start drastically changing things, then by the time I'm an adult, there will be even more severe consequences for my kids and their kids. So something that sort of began with like limitless theories about all of the things that could go wrong or people debating about whether it was actually happening or not became a lived experience where I was like, well, I can feel that this is happening. I know this is happening even if I can't see it directly. And so I need to start doing things where I can. What makes you say, I know it's happening? If you don't experience that, if you don't directly oh, feel it, why? How do you know? Question. I think I just like I listen to the nature around me and the nature tells me that things are not okay. Like in, for in Takaranto, for example, all of our marshes and wetlands have been paved over with, by concrete. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that that has happened and walking on streets where I know rivers once flowed and know that water and biodiverse native wetlands, which are now one of the most threatened ecosystems in the entire world, were were one of the first signs that I was like, oh, like climate change manifests in so many ways. You know, it's not just about a statistic of, oh, the earth has increased this many like degrees in temperature, but also that, well, look at the land. Is the land living in abundance? Are the plants happy? Are they being choked out by invasive plants? Are the native pollinators still visiting us? And when I started to really tune in and realize that those things were going awry, that's when I kind of was like, okay, something is, is deeply wrong. And then, you know, then once I saw the clear cuts, then I went, something's deeply, deeply wrong. You're talking about the old growth forest. Well, yeah, once I started seeing that, that's when I really realized how much exploitation there really is. And, and just before I even made it to the old growth, I was tree planting for half a season in Manitoba and in northern Ontario near Dryden. And down every single road, there's some sort of exploitation going on, whether that's a mine or a clear cut. It's just everywhere in Northern Ontario. And I kind of started to have this shift of realizing living in the city, I don't have to see all the barren landscapes. I don't have yeah. to see all the destruction. But then once I was out of the city, I realized, oh, wow, this really is the main way that Canada has been fueling its economy. Well, you're talking about BC? BC and Ontario too. Does Ontario have old growth forests? Well, not big old growth trees, but we demolish all that there is, really. Yeah. Like they're even logging in Algonquin Provincial Park right now. Like Provincial why Park? You, why would you think you could log in a provincial park? But they're doing it. They're finding ways to do it. Right. 
Yeah. And how it's connect with climate change? How do you see the connection? Well, the earth, the trees, the environments, they, each ecosystem has its own role to play in the balance and the harmony that we're supposed to live in on this planet. And so climate change is inextricable from our destruction of the land. When we destroy the land, when we disrupt ecosystems, we are tipping the scale in the favor of accelerating climate change because we're taking our partner, the earth, who wants to help us, wants to see us thrive, wants to be in relationship with us, and we go, oh, no, actually, we're not going to accept your help. We're actually going to continue destroying you. And when we do that, we're accelerating our own destruction of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And when you say that and when you think about that, and when you realize that what changed in, in your life or what did you do different or how do you get it? Like you had anxiety around that? Did you feel devastated from that? I still feel devastated often. Right. <laughs> I grieve a lot. I experience a lot of waves of grief. Um, but the main thing that the earth has taught me is that um, along with grief, there also has to be joy. You know, you go into these cup blocks, you see this devastation, and then you see all these plants pushing out of these very barren circumstances and they're still blooming and their colors are still beautiful and the butterflies still come to visit them and you realize that as much as it's devastating the earth has the capacity and space for the joy and the sorrow of everything that's happening and so whenever I get overwhelmed I go to the earth for help and the earth is always the person the thing the being that is there to hold me in my grief and remind me that it's okay it's still magical there's still so much beauty and there's still a chance to get it right there is still a chance to get it right can you share a bit about your special relationship with the earth and how is it actually talking to you well I think um It's hard to describe because I, I don't know exactly when this gift was given to me. I don't know when exactly I just started opening my eyes up a little more and realizing, you know, how amazing the sun felt when it was kissing my skin. And I started hearing bird song more and feeling, The grass beneath my feet and I guess actually then it really is just it's mindfulness it's the way to allowing the earth to guide you is to be mindful that it's there in the first place because so much of what happens to us is desensitization we're in front of screens all day we're overstimulated and then when we go outside, We don't know how to truly be we don't know how to soak it all in it's all yeah. there it's waiting to be soaked in but you have to soak it you have yeah. to accept it you have to open your mind and your body and your spirit and be ready to receive all of what's there and once you start receiving it 
you realize it's like this endless, abundant thing that's always been there. And it's just been waiting for you to listen. It's just been waiting for you to see. And that's like, that's a really, um, that's a really interesting thing to experience. Um, Did you had a period of time when, where you were on, on the screen a lot and didn't notice the nature and then it changed or you grew up connected to nature and always knew that you are belong to nature no I didn't know I didn't always know there was a time in my life where I was very very sad um, and I didn't even really want to live and I was like very just disconnected and I went through a couple years of like depression and anxiety and different feelings of of things and was graduating from high school and And just felt very discombobulated, felt disconnected from the earth, disconnected from the people around me, which I think a lot of people did. Um, as I got older, I realized it was a common, more common feeling than not. It's very common. Um, yeah. A disconnected from among, the earth? Did you know that yeah. this is what you're experiencing? Well, that's exactly it. I didn't know that that was it. I knew that something was misaligned in my heart. I knew that something, there was an emptiness in my heart. I didn't know what it was yeah yeah so where did those thoughts took you did it lead to self-reflection or self-blame blaming the system what came from feeling that you're misaligned I didn't really I didn't really blame myself I think I just was more consumed by the feelings than anything mm-hmm. there wasn't even really room for blame it was more just how do I navigate survival how do I survive with these deep feelings of loneliness and emptiness um, in this world and then can you give a background of the situation like you living by yourself you live with parents sisters brothers when um, you say so alone do you have friends at the time or? well that's that's another interesting player yeah yeah I definitely had good friends and My mother had recently passed away, and so I was definitely dealing with a lot of grief from that. I think the death of my mom brought a bit more perspective around the reality that so many of the people in our lives, um, so much of the love and the energy that we collect along the way, because I believe we're all just fragments of all of the things we've ever loved. I started to realize that she was an extension of the earth and I'm also an extension of the earth and we all are um, and it kind of took the death of like a physical person and that that physical person not being there anymore for me to seek them in the moon for me to visit the moon and feel as though oh yes you know I am visiting my mom or I'm visiting my grandmother who I never met who died before I was born but I imagine that she also loved the moon. I think our most natural state on this planet is to be in love and in wonder with all of the things around us, whether that be a dewdrop clinging to the end of a leaf or the way that the sun is illuminating the canopy. It, there's endless things to be in wonder of. Um, and I think once we really honor that and accept that, we enter... A completely different reality on this planet 
and living in cities and being in concrete walls and being in front of screens are all in opposition to us realizing that wonder. And so I think it's very important that we, even if it's just a small green space, even if it's just a park with a couple of trees, even if it's just one willow tree by a pond, I think it's important to go and revere that and realize how special that really is. When we lose someone so close to us, it's like a wake-up call. We can keep on with business as usual. This, in a way, forces us to stop, to feel, and also it helps us to realize what's important. Yeah, absolutely. And to add on to that, I think we have a very in-colonial perspective. Death is, is a very... It's unfortunate what we do. We put people in these coffins and we separate them from the earth in these varnished pieces of wood. And even at the end of their life, we don't allow, we don't just say, here's my body, let it go back to the earth from which it came, you know? And so I think it took, especially in Ontario, we have beautiful, beautiful celebration of death in fall. All of the maple trees turn the most vibrant stained red and then they drop all their leaves and they dance all the way down to the ground. And I started looking around and I was like, wait, for my forest, for the forest here, um, death is a celebration. And then I saw the nurture logs in BC in the old growth. And I saw that again, death was a celebration that these old big logs are nourishing all this new life. Yeah. And I thought, well, perhaps that's what I'm also supposed to do. You know, when someone I love passes on, perhaps I'm supposed to allow that to create space for new life. And perhaps I'm supposed to allow that to um, hold more joy and more magic and really honor all of the love and compassion that they gave to me while they were alive to continue let that living on, transform that into new life. Yeah. And it was nature that said, look, this is how you have to get through this. But I just had to listen in order to be able to receive that. When you speak about how you learned from uh, nature, it's so profound. And it's exactly how the Chinese medicine has developed. Uh, it's developed from people looking at the nature and seeing that the day turned to night, and then to day again, and then to night again, that seasons are changing, and the nature has cycles. And they have realized that humans have the same cycles. And that people are born tiny and grow to adult size and everybody eventually dies. And they, one of their uh, conclusions was that the change is the only permanent thing. We keep changing and nature is keep changing. And you're just doing that by yourself. That's mind-blowing. I want to go back to you feeling lonely because so many people today feel lonely when they are not alone, which is an interesting distinction. It's not enough for us to have people around us that love us, right? So can you speak maybe about what was the nature of the loneliness or what was the source? What was missing for you at that time? Totally. Well, I think we all innately yearn to be connected with our life source with the earth and most things in this society in this world are set up to disconnect you from that because yeah. that's what's profitable is to have you feel disconnected because if you're empty well then you'll consume more 
And if you don't, um, if you don't feel whole and you feel fragmented, well, then it's easier to get you to work a nine to five and not, you know, chase creativity down river beds and sit under trees and wonder why the world's so beautiful, right? Because it's easier for the government to get you to just focus on survival and focus on individualism, especially individual success. Like when you say to somebody, well, look at your life, your life is so good. Well, you have this big house or apartment or whatever, but those four walls are empty if it's not filled to the brim with love, right? If it's not filled to the brim with the knowing that you are the earth and the earth is you. And I think that's where it all begins. It begins at that root disconnect. And Robin Kimmerer in her book, Writing Sweetgrass, said something very beautiful that really stuck with me. She said, when I look at a table, when I look at a cup, when I look at different things around me, I trace them back to their natural source. I go all the way back to the root and try to find from which piece of the earth it came. And that allows me to be in better relationship with it, with that piece of whatever it might be. And that is like a life-changing philosophy. We have this beautiful wooden carved bowl downstairs. I don't know what tree it's from yet. I'm still trying to figure that out. But just touching it, I'm like, I know that this is a piece of wood from a tree that has grown for a long time. Maybe it's from one of those big gnarls and then was scooped out the inside and I know that somebody's hands went into carving it and making it soft and shaping it for my beautiful salad to be in it now and then my beautiful salad was you know seeds planted by beautiful human hands in the soil and nurtured by many suns and moons and rains and that's what got my vegetables to come to me in the first place and I think our connection to understanding where something came from how it got to us yeah. is is to start to be in relationship with, which is an indigenous way of knowing f- from many parts of the world and has been for a long time. And so I think the disconnection from ourselves and from the land is inherently colonial. It's a colonial concept to raise kids and have them not even learn the names of the flowers in their yard those are your friends outside. You should know their names, just like you know the kids at your school's names, you know? But we sort of um, raise humans today in a way that is in opposition to them knowing who they really are. And so then when they have these identity crises, when they feel alone, when they feel alienated, well, of course, because they haven't recognized themselves in a flower yet. They haven't recognized themselves in the branch reaching toward them from the tree, you know? And I want to add on that, that feeling connected, like feeling anything else really, is something that we need to practice. It's easily dissipates. It's not enough to understand that logically. I like to say it's a constant state of re-remembering, because even I forget, even feeling so connected, I think... It's such a powerful force that's in opposition to the earth, whether it be from government, from corporations, from wherever, that it's a constant state of re-remembering and being gentle with ourselves and laughing when we remember and going, oh, of course, you know, I've, I've thought I was just silly little me again, but I realize that I'm actually 
all of these beautiful things that I can hold in my mind's eye. And yeah, those feelings of, oh, why am I unhappy or I should be happy I have everything. Well, it's okay to not be happy because as much as you might have everything, well, the earth is burning and things are dying and there's a lot of bad things happening and it's possible that you feel that. Even if you don't consciously know it, that somewhere in your bones you feel the parts of yourself inseparable from the earth being encroached upon, being exploited, being harmed. And I think that was actually one of the most profound moments for myself is walking by the lake one day and I started crying and the rational mind wants to go, well, this is why I'm crying. This is why I'm sad. This is why I'm upset. And I put the rational mind aside for a second and I, I really felt into my feeling. And I said, well, why am I feeling this? And I went, oh my gosh, I'm feeling what the land is feeling. I'm feeling sadness and grief from all that's happening here. Oh. To, to think that our energies are somehow not in conversation with the earth, whether we consciously know it or not, is absurd. It's one of the most foolish mistakes we can make. Yeah. We wanted to talk about how this feeling lonely can be resolved by finding a community. And we came up talking about your connection with nature and with the earth and with the trees and everything around you. And I wonder how is it for you to feel connected to human beings? Because many people that I've talked with uh, have some distinction if they're connected to nature. They many times prefer nature than to connect to other people. So, yeah, I wonder how is it for you? When I truly became connected to the earth, that extended to every expression of the earth. And because of that, it extended to every expression of people. And people became all the more beautiful. And I started to judge people less because the earth said, well, what is there to judge? You know, I'm not going to discriminate a willow tree from a maple or a Douglas fir from a Sitka and go, why don't you look more like a Douglas fir? Because that's insane, right? So why would I do that to humans? And so the earth being a teacher for literally every aspect of my life, I'm like, the closer I look, the more I listen, the more the earth just has the answer. And in terms of community, what I found is when I was most alone and living out of alignment with the earth, the community wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, once I fell in love with the earth and fell in love with myself, and I started walking that path and seeking those people, well, there they came, they appear. They're always there. They're walking on the earth. But if you're in denial of who you truly are and what you truly love, well, then you can't align with the people that love the same things as you. And you can't align with the people that love you, right? So I think it begins with recognizing who we are, recognizing ourselves as an extension of the earth, recognizing the beauty and the magic. And then that leads you into the community, right? Walking that path inevitably leads to a network of people that are exactly where you are. So the network comes uh, like a magnet to you after you realize that or they were there and you just didn't talk with them about those things? I Yeah, I think they're there all along, but you just don't truly see them. And then once you truly see them, they truly see you. And there's this kind of aha moment where you go, oh, you know, all along, we both didn't know this. Or like, for example, there's clusters of friend groups now 
that I've grown a bit apart from. And that's more than okay as I seek people in alignment with the earth and climate justice and social justice and all those kinds of things, right? So it's okay also to bridge into new places as you seek people that want to stand up with you. They're there. And if they're not around you right now, keep walking, keep looking, because they're there. So you had to leave uh, Ontario, Toronto, your home, mm. and move to a place that we're more aligned with who you are. How did you know Victoria is the place for you? Uh, the, I, I can't. I don't think that's something that can be described, uh, thin sliced in words. Sometimes there's just a feeling and we have to honor that, especially as women. We need to honor intuition. We need to honor what our body tells us is good and safe and settled. And there's just something about this island and especially the ocean. Swimming and surrendering to the cold ocean almost every day has been one of the most eye-opening experiences for me because it's, I don't know how to explain it other than, I guess I write a lot of poetry. And so I think in poems sometimes. And the other day when I went into the ocean, my mind thought, let your toes become pebbles as your bones remember that they once belonged to the ocean floor. And that's not something that you can analyze. That's just something that my body thought and said and felt as I walked into this space, yeah. right? And so, yeah, I don't think there's a rational explanation for some of what we need to honor spiritually. And I think that that's another big thing that people are very, very afraid of is to go against the grain and say, I'm going to honor this thing that a lot of you don't talk about or that a lot of you don't create space for. It's one of those things where you have to pave the space for it and then it will come, right? So as you honor your own spirituality, as you honor your own mindfulness in your body and your connection to the land, you create space for someone else to honor it. And it's something yeah. that's felt. It's not spoken, right? When someone comes on a walk with me and they see me marveling at the trees, well, then they might just naturally start to marvel at them. I don't say, oh, you have to marvel at this tree. They just see the wonder. And there's something in that knowing, in that words beyond words language that when we're silent, well, we just hear the wind a little bit more. Or when we slow down, the fragrant rose smells a little bit sweeter but those are all yeah. sensory experiences that we have to resensitize to because we become very very desensitized in our waking life you know yeah. most everything we do is overstimulated and so we have to relearn what it is to truly hear to truly feel to see to smell to touch because those are all very sacred acts those are all very connective pleasures that can allow us to not only better understand the earth and ourselves, but the people around us as well. Today, we explore the question, can we feel joy when things are falling apart? It's a complicated question, mainly to the rational mind. But if we allow ourselves to feel the pain and the grief, we will also feel the joy and the peace. So whenever you feel grief about the loss of nature, environment, the loss of species, go outside and connect to nature. Go to a park, to a lakeshore, to a forest near your home, and take a moment to appreciate how beautiful 
nature still is. Thank you for listening to the My Climate Show. Please subscribe to the show's newsletter for a weekly dose of open inspiration. You can reach out to me on Twitter if you have any questions or comments. I'd love to hear what you think. You can find the link to the newsletter and to my Twitter account in the description of this episode. Next week, we will explore the challenges of talking to people who don't think the climate change is such a big deal. See you then.